and welcome to Resident Advisors Exchange podcast. You're listening to our documentary strand source material. I'm Martha. Thank you for being here. This episode is dedicated to dance music's leafy companions. The relationship between electronic music and plants is lengthy, with many artists taking inspiration from the natural world. As listeners, an age of anxiety has led to a desire to deepen our relationship with nature, with many of us, myself included, adopting rising numbers of houseplants. And how about vice versa? This programme came about because I noticed there's a whole genre of electronic music on YouTube racking up millions of views claiming to stimulate plant growth. And I wanted to find out more. So on today's episode, we will hear from four very different artists who all work with plants to understand their processes, the ways in which they collaborate with plant life, and to see if they had any insight on the potentially symbiotic relationship between electronic music and plants. Coming up, we'll meet biotherapeutic musician Imka. Four years ago, I had the thought of um, working with plants, hooking up to them and seeing if I could make music just off of research I was doing along um, through my time after my stepmom passed away, who was a botanist. We'll hear from Erlen Cooper, the composer who soundtracked a super bloom where millions of flowers pop up overnight. The only thing in the soil was my 26 speaker spatial mix, encouraging the seeds to hurry up. People were joking that it was like audio fertilizer or something. And then all of a sudden, soft greens turned into flowers. And Joe Patatucci, creator of The Plant Wave, a tiny device that helps your plant generate music. We're most known for our products called Plant Wave, which translates plant biodata into music and allows anyone to kind of tune into their plants through chill ambient music. So, let's start off in 1970s America, where the first iteration of the houseplant boom that we're seeing today was kicking off. Mort Garson, a composer, distributed his record Mother Earth's Plantasia for free with the purchase of any houseplant at Mother Earth Plant Boutique on Los Angeles' Melrose Avenue. Subtitled Warm Earth Music for Plants and the People That Love Them, it became an ambient cult classic with a recent re-release on Brooklyn label Sacred Bones. The record followed a 1962 study by Indian botanist Dr. T.C. Singh, who exposed balsam plants to classical music and found that their growth rate increased by 20% compared to a control group, along with a 72% increase in biomass. He then exposed crops to raga music over loudspeakers and found that they yielded 25 to 60% more than the national average. Someone who I knew would have more studies to point us in the direction of is artist Corinne Bonival. Corinne's work covers sculpture, sound and film. I'm dealing with the question about our relationship with the plant otherness, in fact. How sometimes we can find things in common we have, like how we can behave the same. Indeed, we do have certain common points. 
And to help me on that research, I'm working a lot with partners in science. I work since like 10 years now with different labs, mainly in ecophysiology. Ecophysiologists are studying how the plants are living in their own natural environment. So they, they are trying to see the reaction of the plants against or with the elements or what is around them. A specific uh, specialist of the behavior of plants, it's Stefano Mancuso, he wrote uh, that um, they are studying how plants can be affected by low frequency sounds. So I had this intuition that playing this kind of very low frequency sounds to plants could affect the way they were growing. So Corinne built a rhizotron. A rhizotron is a recipient, a transparent recipient, when you can actually watch the movement and the growth of root systems. It's kind of like an ant farm or a worm farm, if you've ever seen one of those. Inside this, each tubes, I put uh, at the bottom a speaker and on each tubes, you have a different kind of music or a different kind of natural sound. What we can see with this rhizotron disposal is the shape, the growth of root system is taking. So it's a kind of dance. I have two studies about um, how music can affect the plants, but it's not specifically music, actually. It's more about the quality of the frequencies you are using. So at one point, no matter what kind of sounds you are playing, as long as it's corresponding to a certain range of frequencies, and it's always about low frequencies. And uh, so one is uh, Monica Gagliano. She shows that root system can be attracted by uh, the sound of water. So putting tubes with soil and speakers and then playing no sounds or like white sounds and then water flowing in another one and uh, the roots were attracted by the sound of water. So oh. that's the first thing. And the second study is about flowers. You have a lot of flowers that is well known by beekeepers actually that are affected by the sounds of pollinator. So with these specific sounds of the, the sounds of the wings, actually it's, a, it's about really this range of sounds because it's a trick. So the flower is like sure she can catch a bee or whatever is going through. And so of course they are perceiving it. So? Low frequencies encourage root growth and any music that is sonically similar to predators or threats will have our plants growing away as quick as they can. I wanted to get Corinne's take on this music that I found on YouTube that claims to encourage plant growth and find out if she has any studies from her research that might shed some light. There's like a lot of stuff on YouTube that claims that it will make your plants grow. Mm -mm. Um, have you seen any of that? music on YouTube and what do you think about that? Yes, sure. As I, as far as I know, of course, there is two different types of sounds. Uh, the one is about dealing with the DNA of the plant, but the scientists I'm working with on that are really 
I'm not dealing with that at all. They say it's bullshit, honestly. <laughs> and because, and I deal with musicians, and when I talk about that, they told me this is really strange because it's based on the the European way of of doing music, you know, mm. and how come plants uh, are supposed to be a national being something that is attached to a specific country, so it doesn't work. So for me, mm, I don't know. And the other one is a study done in Tel Aviv uh, two years ago about uh, evening primroses. And so they, they studied that exactly the same range of frequencies about the, the you know, bumbling of bumblebees or whatever uh, can and, and increase the level of sugar in the nectar of the evening primroses so they can attract more insects and it's by the sound <laughs> and actually the shape of the evening uh, primroses is like uh, a radar that can catch the sound better so the shape of this specific flower is on purpose to catch the sound <laughs> How about the soil then? Because you've done you've done work around sound and soil before. Yes, right. So uh, I was using a, a tool. It's called an accelerometer. So it's an industrial component that is used to to measure the vibration of machines. So it has nothing to do uh, with recording sounds. But if you turn it into a microphone, uh, then you can catch very tiny sound. But what I've discovered to you is if there is a human sound, for instance, music, you can hear the music not in the air, but in the soil. And it was really a bad experience for me because, they, okay, we are just polluting the soil also. <laughs> it's really, we are so bad. <laughs> wow, that's one of those things that's, yeah, you can't, you can't forget. Exactly. Yeah. Then when I point out, I say, okay. But, and the last thing is uh, in Toulouse, so in France, some scientists uh, are trying to the same, put some kind of frequencies uh, to plants, but indoors, really like in a lab. And really it's about this specific frequency. So they are not playing music. It's about like sound. And it's enlarging the growth of plants. So actually, yes, <laughs> electronic music—it's uh, now proved can enlarge the um, uh, the growth of plants, for instance. So you have an interaction with plants. The thing is that we don't exactly know how the plant is perceiving the sounds, which is the, <laughs> it's super weird. We have no clue about how it's working, <laughs> but that's for sure. There is reaction. My name is Imka. I'm a multidisciplinary artist um, based here in Washington, D.C. I met Imka, who describes himself as a biotherapeutic musician. Four years ago, I had the thought of um, working with plants, hooking up to them and seeing if I could make music just off of research I was doing along um, through my time after my stepmom passed away, who was a botanist. 
that whole theory to me of why I say that a biotherapeutic musician, um, along with the ambient music, you know, that I've been producing. And um, I basically do sound baths. Um, I always told that, you know, my music production was um, sounds that, you know, help you, you know, with your mental and body and stress and decompression and things of that nature. Um, so that's where I took that, you know, biotherapeutic you know, musician and I placed that with the new sounds that I've been working with for the past three years and um, working with people, um, you know, in the yoga and the holistic and um, environmentalists, uh, working with scientists, you know, to make that cohesive enough, so, you know, for me to say, you know, I'm a biotherapeutic musician. All of my music um, and my shows, it tends to does that, put people to sleep, bring them back at ease. And um, I'm doing it basically off the plants, you know, for the past two and a half, three years. Amongst synths, tape decks and other instruments, Imka uses PlantWave. We'll hear more about this later on in the programme, but it's essentially a small device that detects slight electrical variations in a plant via two electrodes placed on the leaves. These variations are graphed as a wave, which is translated into pitch messages or MIDI signals that can be used to play music. So say it's a normal day for you, you're gonna dedicate the day to working with the plants, making music. Um, what what does that entail? Do you have any rituals, any routines? How do you get in the zone to create music with your plants? Um, normally the day before that I make that decision, I try to like drive out um, to places where I haven't been before, trails that I haven't walked on, you know, bring my microphone, camera, and I normally try to spend about four hours outside, come back um, after the recordings and uh, spend about like another hour or so just um, breaking down, you know, organizing and I sit here um, with all of my you know, devices that I have for Max for Live inside of Ableton, you know, that I made or other third party VSTs. Um, a lot of my samples that I already have pre-recorded um, and start going into the whole sound design and add other instruments and other sounds that I have already previous recordings. Um, the plants are basically the composer, player one. I'm player two just by adding on my sound design. And after that, um, while I'm going through this recording process of with the sounds that I've selected, I print the audio. Do you bring plants to your live shows or do you leave them at home? No, actually I bring them to the live show. Um, I at least tried to have about four plants on stage. Um, but yeah, with the shows, I also encourage people to bring their own plants um, so they can get their plants recorded. And I normally, um, after the show, I will collect their, you know, the name, information and all that and make a song, make a personal song with the data uh, from their plants and now send it out to the artist. <laughs> I love that. Oh, thank This is a recent Imka single, A001. He broke down the intricacies of the steps he took to create and layer this, all using his Monstera plant as a starting point. But there was one question that was still on my mind. 
Do you have a particular plant that is like your number one muse? Um, the one I started with is the um, it's the the rattlesnake plant. Um, that was like my first like green thumb type purchase of like seeing if it can just survive in my home and yeah, so that's the one that I always go to. What do you hope that a listener might be able to take away from an encounter with your music? And I'm talking plant life and humankind. The takeaway on that is the educational part first um, of, you know, telling them about the plant, its history and, you know, my personal history that I have with it. Other thing I would just like for anybody to take away is, you know, for my music, you know, to bring them peace, you know, bring them at peace or make them feel at ease. Um, or, you know, just guiding them, you know, through their day. Um, you know, that's my main message. Even when I started this, um, uh, we were in the pandemic. So, you know, it's um, something that's needed now, you know, something that is more relaxing, something that is long term, you know, something that is um, that has a lot of detail. That's what my takeaway is and uh, takeaway with music on the plant music is education and hope them help people decompress and um, feel great about themselves afterwards. So after chatting to Imka, I was very keen to learn more about this device that he uses to connect to foliage. My name is Joe Patitucci. I am founder and CEO of Data Garden. At Data Garden, we make uh, real-time generative music from data streams. So uh, we're most known for our products called PlantWave, which translates plant biodata into music and allows anyone to kind of tune into their plants through chill ambient music. I thought I was starting a record label and I guess I turned out to start a tech company. Uh, and the evolution was just very natural, organic even. Um, but, you know, for me, I was making this electronic music that was always based on like going out into nature, I started Data Garden, and we were always exploring this connection between plants, music, and technology. Um, we were invited to create an installation at the Philadelphia Museum of Art. And uh, my business partner, Alex, he was super into uh, psychobotany and like the, the idea of like plant consciousness. And I was super into uh, creating generative music systems. So. We kind of took the two together and we basically took uh, the waves that we were able to get from plants and use that to generate real-time music. So could you please tell everyone who hasn't had the chance to be near one yet, what is PlantWave and how does it work? PlantWave uh, translates real-time data from plants into music. Uh, it works by measuring slight changes in resistance through a plant. Uh, that resistance is largely related to like water content between two points in the plant. So we're measuring these subtle changes as the plant is photosynthesizing and moving water around. Um, and we're measuring those changes over time. So over time that creates a wave and we graph that wave and translate the wave into pitch. Uh, so I know a lot of the folks that listen to this podcast probably know about MIDI. So we're, uh, yeah, we translate that uh, that wave into MIDI notes. And then also like the velocity and the change of the wave gets translated into MIDI CC. Uh, so basically the plant is selecting every single note uh, that's played on either a synthesizer or through the, the plant wave 
app where I've designed a lot of different, uh, a lot of different sound sets, a lot of different collections of instruments for people to choose from. So you can you can decide kind of the mood that your plant is, uh, you know, or the the instruments your plant is playing. Uh, but the plant is selecting every single note and it's changing effects. So the result of this is that get to listen to this continuous stream of really pleasing music that's all giving us this window into what's happening in plants and when you're setting up the plant wave uh, i know we don't know if plants can like feel pain or disturbance is there anything that we should be doing that to make sure that we're not like stressing out the plant by linking it up that's a great question one of the things i do when i'm connecting to a plant is i just want to kind of be with it for a moment and just see, you know, is this a plant that feels like it's ready to be connected to a device? Like, um, I might look at the leaves. Are the leaves strong and healthy? Are they big enough to hold um, a hold one of the electrode pads? Um, if they're too small for the electrode pads, then I'll, I'll, I'll see like, okay, well then maybe I can clip the the little clips that we have. They're 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 not alligator clips. They don't have like serrated edges, so. They're good on the plants, but still, I just want to make sure that I'm not going to like unnecessarily weigh down the plant or tear anything. Um, and so if, if a plant's like super delicate and it doesn't want to be clipped to anything, I won't do it. Um, and if it's something that's like a hardier tropical plant, those are usually really super resilient. And in fact, they thrive with, uh, with plant waves on them. I've had them on for years on, on some plants. But yeah, I, I really just want to be like super gentle with, with the plants. And uh, I just want to make sure that like, I'm not putting it on a plant that's maybe like more delicate or if, if like the wires would weigh the plant down to a point that it would, it would affect the plant, I'm not going to connect the device. So Joe actually very kindly sent me a plant wave in the post um, for me to try out for you guys. Um, so let me try and get this set up. So it looks like a small box. I think it's made of recycled something. It's very tiny um, and I, it comes with these little gentle clips. So I'm going to uh, introduce you to my rubber plant, which has been with me for about seven years. Um, it's quite small. It's quite sturdy. So I'm going to clip these little tiny clips onto the leaf of my rubber plant right now. Okay, we're clipped on. <gasps> okay, so I have the Plant Wave app open on my phone um, and my phone is connected to the plant wave by Bluetooth. And yeah, my phone is making music. So this setting is called Sound Bath. Um, and it says to listen out for when the plant reaches a high level of activity, a gentle electric piano will be played. So there we go. Let me try a different leaf. Oh, we're on a different leaf. Let's try another setting, another preset. 
This is the heart chakra setting and it says in the app, when activity levels in the plant are high, your plant will play chimes. On this podcast, I am looking into the question, can electronic music encourage plant growth? What do you think about that question? Is Have you read anything? So I've seen a lot of different uh, studies on that. I feel like a lot of it has been anecdotal, but at the same time, I've had a lot of experience with this. So I can tell you that having a plant wave connected to a plant for a long period of time seems to have an effect on the plant. Now, is that because of the music or is it because we're sending like 3.5 volts of electricity through the plant, which, you know, plants are basically like using light to to make fuel. So it's possible that like sending a little bit of electrical stimulation in the plant is encouraging it to grow faster. I'm I'm not exactly sure, Uh, but it, I would say that I have exp- I've had that experience. Yeah, that music can help plants grow. It may be because of the music. It it may be because of the plant wave. There was one more artist I was really hoping to catch up with for this program responsible for soundtracking a super bloom in the moat of iconic landmark the Tower of London, Erland Cooper. My name is Erland Cooper and I grew up on a remote Scottish island in the North Sea called Orkney and uh, I'm a composer. I write about our relationship with the natural world. Do you have any tips for people who are out there recording the great outdoors and recording nature it's it's really an act of of listening sounds silly to say but to 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 genuinely close your eyes for a moment and think about what you're trying to capture think about the sounds around you and and how much of those sounds will come through on what you're recording and why you're recording it but also a critical distance so just capture it and then take it back and just remember to edit it That's the key bit is self-editing. And I feel like if you have that critical distance of being as far away from the source as possible when you edit it, you kind of know what to keep. You can get rid of, I would say, 70-80%. But the further I am away from where I recorded it, I find it much easier to kind of um, plow through, as it were. Yeah, so keeping a critical ear is good and active, truly listening. Erland, I would love for you to tell us a bit more about the Music for Growing Flowers series at the Tower of London. Please, could we have an overview of the series? I mean, it's something that has grown into a record, which for me is a joy. Excuse the awful pun. In spring this year, we planted 20 million seeds into the moat. So 20 million seeds were planted um, with this idea of uh, creating a, an artificial super bloom 
A superbloom is a rare occurrence where millions of flowers pop up overnight in vast land masses. It's an engineered process and a bold act of urban rewilding, boosting biodiversity. A, a castle designed to keep people out has been turned into the most warm welcome. It's, uh, you, can, you, can, you go in on a giant slide into this kind of moving wild meadow of flowers and I got asked to score it um, and uh, I thought to myself wow that's that's really interesting what a great story to tell what a great challenge to write so my music was designed to encourage these 20 million seeds to grow and they're growing <laughs> which is good nothing to do with my music but um, at one point, actually, on the opening weekend, the, the flowers were three weeks behind. And so the only thing in the soil was my kind of 26-speaker spatial mix, encouraging the seeds to hurry up. And um, people were joking that it was like audio fertilizer or something. And then all of a sudden, you know, within days, these kind of soft greens turned into flowers. I've really enjoyed hearing about how plants feed into the creative practices of every artist that I spoke to. Thanks so much to all our contributors and thank you for listening. The relationship between electronic music and plants is imperfect for sure, but it's been very eye-opening to consider our sonic pollution of the soil at festivals maybe, but also the potential benefits of bassier frequencies and the flowers and pollinators they encourage. If you have any thoughts on this programme, studies to add, plant musicians to recommend, we would love to hear from you. Just drop us a comment on SoundCloud or leave a review of the show on your favourite podcast platform. Our full archive is available for you to take in anytime you like. If you enjoyed this episode, you might like to listen to our interview with Peggy Goo, which is online now. Until next time, take care.